0: Good to see everybody. I got one announcement I want to make sure that you got, okay? If you're planning on coming Wednesday night to the burger movie night, you need to put your name down if you have not done that, alright? We need to know how much food to cook, and right now I don't know for sure how much to cook. So I need you to put your name down. If you're coming, put your name down and put off the side of how many are going to come so I know how many we got to cook for, alright? We always cook a little extra. But, you know, just in case, I need, I need to know. Uh, you don't have to stay for the movie. Nobody's going to handcuff you to the into, the into the foyer and make you stay. You can just come and eat and just go home if you want. But it's going to be the movie card if you want to bring your kids. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, guys, if you're going on a retreat, and I know that's for not for another four weeks, but if you're going on a retreat we need you to sign up, there's also some... Some uh, uh, maps there of where to go. If you've not been to Texana before, uh, everybody's going to meet at the marina. So, you know, or the old, what the old is? was the old marina. So, uh, but anyway, and if you weren't here Wednesday night, uh, you missed a good opportunity to listen to Chris teach. He did a great job uh, with a tough text and, and it he did awesome. Thank you, Chris, for stepping up and doing that. You know what you've done now, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> You know, now now your phone's gonna be ringing from time to time. You know that, right? It's all right. I, I hey, that's what you said. Yeah. You know, all right. Well want see what happens when I call you? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He did. He did awesome. I know. He did awesome, and it was great. Thank you for that. Uh, next up in a couple of weeks, Scott is gonna is gonna teach in a couple of weeks. So. We're looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You want to turn over there? Uh, and no, we will not finish this letter today. <laughs> what can I say? You know, just how, just the way I do things. Just the way I do it. So, anyway. If you want somebody that's going to run through the text, my class is probably not the, not the class for you, probably. So, anyway. Uh, let's pray and we'll get started, all right? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Uh, we, we thank you, Father, for the relationship we have. Uh, we know that that relationship is not because of us. It's because of you and because of what you are willing to do. And we ask, Father, that you create in us a humble and contrite heart, realizing, hum- humbly realizing that we have no business standing before you and, and sorry and contrite for what we've done. And realizing, Father, that we have what we have because of what your son did. And that that what you called us to do is to be obedient. Thank you for the opportunity. Father, bless us this morning as we get the privilege to study and to worship together as a family. And we thank you for that. We pray your blessings upon us as we do all of what we do this today. And help it, Father, to be pleasing to you. Father, thank you for the text. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the power of it. And thank you for the opportunity we have to study it this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask you. Now, first of all, I'm going to review a little bit. This was a, you know, this, this. remember I've told you and told you and told you, this letter was not written to you. It was written to Timothy by Paul. Okay? Didn't write this letter to you. We can learn some things, and we've learned some things from it, but it really was to, to a letter written to this young man at a place, at a time in his life when he's struggling at Ephesus because he's having to preach there. And and, and this is Paul, his mentor, is, is training him and teaching him some things that he needs to know that I think that we need to know as well. That we, we've we looked at these. I told you we're going to look at these things, uh, and we took looked at them for a couple of weeks. He told him, to, you you run. You run away from the stuff that is around you, and you pursue the things that you need to be pursuing. And I think that's that's a, a, a godly message and a, and, a, and a charge for us today that we ought to listen to. You know, there's a lot of things out there that we need to run away from. And there's there are some things that we need to run towards, and then he and and then he tells him, uh, and this is where I want to start this morning. In the it's in the middle of uh, verse uh, verse 12. He says, "Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses." All right, I'm going to stop right there. I got a question for you. Uh, I want you to give me your your perspective of eternal life. Give me your perspective of eternal life. For you. Your perspective. Not, to, not a biblical definition. I just want what's your perspective of, of eternal life. Tell No suffering. Huh? No suffering. No suffering and no pain. Okay? Yeah, Vincent. revealed to me at that time that all of us have done in the past was to some extent Okay. Alright. Anybody else? Give me your perspective of eternal life. I can see it in your faces. Many of you got it wrong. I'll see you telling. Me. You want to say something, but you're afraid to say something. There's not a wrong answer here, guys. I want your perspective. I want you to tell me. I want to know because I've got something I want to talk to you about with this, and and I need to know. You need to know where you're at. You need to know what this, what, how important is this to you? How, how urgent is it to you? Because he tells this kid, you hold on. Hold on. That's not just a a figure of speech. You need to hold on to this. If it's important enough, you're going to hold on to everything with everything you have. And I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk to this guy in just a minute. All right. No worries. No worries. The struggle with Satan is over. All right. The struggle with Satan is Okay. All right. Okay. Eternal peace and joy. Eternal peace and joy. Okay. Yeah. In the constant presence. In the constant presence. Do y'all hear what he said? In the constant presence of God. Okay. Anybody else? I think it's something very different from time. Okay. I don't understand it. Okay. How important is this eternal life to you? (coughs) You Some of you are telling me what your perspective is. How important is it to you? Is it important enough for you to make decisions that normal people don't make? Is it that important? Is it important enough for you to do things that are that look abnormal to a to an abnormal world? That's saying something. Alright? I'm gonna ask Chris a question. You're a football coach, right? You ever you ever push your players to a place to try to get them to fail? Yes. Okay? That is exactly right. Okay, now stop, stop right here, so I'm coming back. You are a football player. Did you feel like they ever pushed you to a place where they expected you or they were seeing if you would fail? Where they challenged you past your abilities? Yes. Okay. Were they, right. I mean, you knew you weren't going to succeed Yeah. Right. Were they pushed you to try okay. to find those folks, okay. Yes. All right. In your freshman class, there was 100 and something kids, 150. right? 150. In your senior class, the same class, senior class, there was what? 20? Less than, less than 50. I don't know the exact number, but definitely less than 50. So 50 60% of them were done. Some of them moved. I understand that. Some of them moved. But for four years, they pushed them, pushed them, put – Paul played on a team that – he was a second-team starter, could have played first team for a lot of schools around here, but he played because he played at Victoria High, and their first team was really, really good. They played a lot. Good, but they And they played a lot against the first team of other schools – and marched up and down the field on it, but he was wasn't good enough to start on first team for Victoria High School at that time. But I can remember him telling me there were times during spring spring ball when uh, when most of the guys were on the sideline throwing up because it was so grueling, so intense, and that they were looking for him to they were looking for them to push them past their limits. That's what you said. Yeah, we yep. take them to where. There's a breaking point, and then we take on another level. We want to see how far we can get them to go. I think, I think what, and you, from a perspective of a football player, did you play football? You, you put, yeah. Okay, so, so you know, you know, I'm not going to quit. I will not give up. I'm not going to quit. Satan wants you to fail, guys. He is going to do everything in your his power to make you fail, to make you fall and go back to where you came from. That's what he wants. God, on the other hand, is like these coaches. He is striving to get you to a place where you can see I can do this where I never thought I could. That's what you did Wednesday. <clears throat> I got to a place where I didn't think I was capable of, and I did it. Thank you, God, for doing that for me. I mean, that's the, that's the response. That, that is eternal life in a nutshell. Eternal life to me is, is I have a hope that I never had before. That's what it means to me. I have a confidence that I never had before. Eternal life, if it's not something that's real to me today, then why is he telling Timothy to to take hold of To hold on. Hold on to this faith. faith. Look at what he says again. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, you hold on. If it's not important to you, are you going to really hold on? You know what I know about Paul? You know what I know about him? Out of that whole class, okay, He held on and held on and held on and would not give up. No matter how bad it got, he never gave up. One of the things I told him was, is if you start a year, you finish a year. Don't quit in the middle. You're going to start, finish. I don't care if you finished all four years, but you start a year, you're going to finish a year. I asked him after the first year. I don't remember. I asked him. I said, you sure you want to do this? I said, I'll help you in any way I can, whatever. You know, I didn't know that I was gonna to have to be at the at the at the field house at 6 30 in the morning because because three days out of the week he's lifting and two days out of the week he's running. You know, I didn't know that that was gonna be part of the the part of the skate. But you know, but that was okay because I felt say if you're gonna start, you finish. Well, God said, if you're gonna start this, I'm gonna do everything in my power to help you to succeed. Everything. Take hold of it. Make it that important to you. And my fear is for many of us, it's not that important. We let everything else get in the way. We let things get in the way. We let jobs. We let we let situation. We let family. We let all these things get in the way, and we make decisions based on what's good, what they think is good, instead of what God is saying is good. And that should not be. You got it. Should not be. The decisions we make should be on what is my spiritual walk like with God, because God has done something so special for me. He called me. To this what He said. You know, how He called you. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Next book back. Just one book back. Look at chapter two. Mm-hmm. Second, Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. <laughs> Look at verse 13. So we'll read verse 13 and 14. But we always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits. Now that doesn't mean the that means that that means the, the these are we are preeminent. All right? He said, chose to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now listen to what he said. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of God. It culminates with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but it starts in Genesis chapter 1. All right? The gospel is not just the death, burial, and resurrection. That's the culmination of it. That's where God fulfills his promise to us. To make it possible for us to have a relationship with Him. But the whole gospel saving message is the whole thing Jesus coming on the scene, Jesus standing before Pilate, Jesus suffering all the same. Jesus. God putting together a nation of people that were never going to be obedient to Him ever and putting a people together so that He could bring Jesus from them. That's the gospel, guys. That's the death, that's the saving work of Jesus. That's what it means. It's the good news that God created salvation for us. And I don't think we get it. I don't think you get it. I can stand up here all day long and, and scream and holler and rant and rave. I don't think you're going to get it. Some of you. And that's so I know what's going to happen is some, for some they won't hold on to it because it doesn't mean anything to them, does it? You know, it, if it's just for you, if it's just about church on Sunday, then you don't get it. It's just about church on Sunday and Wednesday. You don't get it. Yeah, Vic. Go ahead. There's Vic. two perspectives to eternal life. Mm-hmm. One of them is bad. The other one's good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you put that in perspective and understand what the bad one is, you really ought to hold on to the good one. Yeah. I think as we get older, like we are, yeah. mm-hmm. it gets yeah. a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little more difficult when you're trying to make decisions based on family and jobs and and money and all. That. It gets. It's a little more difficult. But you know we need to be the examples of that we can that people can do this. It can be done. It can, we can do this. I can do this because I've watched them do it. You know. But but I think that you know Satan from the bad part. Satan doesn't want you to succeed in this. He doesn't want you to go to heaven. He doesn't. His whole mission is to make you fail. Is to make you fall down. God, on the other hand, is not. So when I look at this, I look at at that I was called by the gospel, that's what called me. That's what beckoned to me. You know, when I made the good confession, when I confessed Jesus before the world, when I stand before him every single day and say, you know, stand for a lost and dying world and say, I am not going to be like you. I'm not going to do what you do. And that's hard. Not easy. It's not easy for anybody. But if, I'm, if I know what the value of this is, how valuable it is, what I have, because, you know, I'm closer now to the end than I was before. You know, I'm on the other side of the hill now. You know, I'm going downhill now. You know, one of these days you're gonna get a message. One of us, Vic, me, Jim, somebody. You know, we're like the bullet, man. We've done. We're done. Gone. Yeah. That's. But you know what? That's what we're striving for. I'm. I'm look. I'm gonna hold on with everything I got because I ain't found anything yet that matches this. There isn't anything out there that matches this. You know, the 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 opportunity to have a relationship with God. That where God will save me, in spite of me. That is amazing to me. Hold on a minute, guys. The last thing I want is for my phone to go off in the middle of class. I just heard it beating, so <laughs> that, would, that would be embarrassing. But, you know, when you look at this, and, and he's telling this young preacher, you hold on to the eternal life. Remember, Timothy's, Timothy's circumstance is pretty dire, pretty tough. It's a tough circumstance. And he's telling this young preacher, "You hold on, hold on to the eternal life you've got." And we're going to see in chapter two, I mean, in the second letter, where he said he got this from his mother and his grandmother. That's where he got it from. Timothy, I mean, Paul was his mentor, but he got he got trained early on by his mom and his grandmother. We'll get that. We'll get there when we get to that part. What I wanted you to see is, you know, how important is your spirituality? How important is your eternal life? Is it? Does it? You know, I mean, I mean. Do, because the perspective of the world is everybody's going to help. You. right? How many times have you seen an obituary? They said, "Well, that guy didn't make it." How many <laughs> times have you see that? You ever see that? You ever seen an obituary ever where it said, "Well, that guy didn't make it." Sorry about that one. I saw one. We'll try better on the next it. one. But that one didn't it was make it. insinuated. Yep. Yes. You ever seen that? I s- sort of. <laughs> sort of. So, yeah, it, it was insinuated. A, yeah, there was one where they talked about what a horrible person that. Well, I'd like to witness that funeral, but that was really—I bet that was really, yeah. I that oh, was that was really inspiring, man. Was so, What an inspiring was, funeral, man. <laughs> but to, for our own sanity, what we do is—is is we have to assume that everybody went to heaven. <laughs> I had a guy in jail one time that told me I'm sitting on a concrete floor, and he's sitting there, and he looks at me. He's got this look on his face. And he said, "He said if you're right." He said, then what does that mean about my grandparents? Because my grandparents didn't do this, and they both died. I said, I didn't know your grandparents. I I don't know. I didn't know them. I don't know. I said, I'm just telling you what the book says. This is what the truth says. And it's hard when you see that come over, wash over someone that go, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I don't have a handle on this. But what I'm saying is that's the the mindset of the world. The world says I can do anything I want to do. And God's gonna love me no matter what. Our young people are, are going through that right now. We're seeing it all over the place. Where 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 the world is telling them it's okay. Just if, it, if it you do that if it feels good, it's okay. God wants you to love. He God loves everybody. God is love, and He wants you to love everybody. That's the mindset out there, and they do that to so that they can so that so that they're. Their rhetoric, their feelings will be, well, God's going to love me. I can do what I want. It makes me happy. I'm going to be okay because God loves everybody. And you take, you get in the book just a couple of chapters in Genesis, and what do you find out? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe that's not the God I'm dealing with here. You see, so when you look at your own eternal life, you say, okay, what does this mean to me? Does it mean anything to me? Because remember, in some, many, of, all of our lives, Somebody's watching you. Somebody, whether it's children or mates or workers, somebody's watching you, because they're trying to get a perspective on on their life and their understanding, and and you have to give them a different perspective. You have to. You have to. Now let's move on. Okay. He said, in the he said he said you take hold of the, the eternal life of which you recall when you made made your good confession in the presence of any witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying for Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you. I'm um, going to stop right What was the good confession that Jesus made? What was the confession he made? Huh? Look at John chapter 18. Look at John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 33. Look at chapter 18, John chapter 18, verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about that? <laughs> Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your old people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus tells us, he said, he tells us, and you go back to chapter 8, he said, he said, the only way you can be called a disciple is you have to hold on to my teaching. He said, if you hold on to my teaching, you'll be truly all my What is What was the confession here? Jesus said, I am the what? I am the truth. In front of Pilate, what does he confess about himself? He said, look at what he says again. Look, he, said, he said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And the next question, of course, out of Pilate, well, what is truth? Never going to understand it. Never going to understand it. But, you know, Jesus, Jesus came to, to present to us the truth. What's the truth to us? It's what our eternal eternal life stands on. Is Jesus really the truth? Is he the way? Is he the light? Is he really? And are you convinced he is? All right, I don't see anybody's head moving at all. Are you convinced he's the truth and he's alive? You ever ponder on it and say, I want to find out, is he really real? How many of you convinced yourself that he is really real? Two, three, four? Are you kidding me? Boy, I tell you what, I'm in, I, I got my work cut out for me here. Wow. I want you to know that Jesus really lived. He really existed. He really was the Savior of the world. Because if He wasn't, then you're done. You're there's You have no hope. You have nothing. There's nothing. You ever looked around you and just to just to figure out if God really is God and He really did create? You ever done that? And just said, I'm gonna I'm gonna let His creation just explain Him to me. You ever done that? You know, you know. Here he said. He said. He said. He made a good confession. He stood in front of Pilate, and he's and he's and he's going to get beat, butchered, bled out, and he's going to die, so that you can live, not so that he can live, so that you can live, so that you have a hope of eternal life. That should mean something to you. That should mean everything. You know, it should mean everything. And he did. And he said that. That, uh, uh, he said, uh, oh, here it is. Make the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. Now, there's some debate about what he means about this command, okay? I believe he's talking about the commands that he's given him in this letter. You keep this command. You know, if there are other people that believe that he's talking about the whole commands of God. That may be true. But, but does the, our eternal life hinge on, hinges on two things, Right. It hinges on that Jesus really did die on the cross and really did come out of the tomb on the third day. Right? Hinges on that. And it hinges on my obedience and my belief in it. Right? It says we are saved by grace. How? Through what? Through faith. What is faith? It's a belief that caused me to act upon that belief. That's what faith is. If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. That's what God said. And I'll say it again. If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. That's what God said. Faith is saying, I believe in God, and then you act upon that belief. I live my life according to what he says. He says, I'm saved by grace. Grace is God's part. Grace is when God gives me what I do not deserve. Got it? When God gives me what I don't deserve. I do not deserve eternal life. I do not deserve to go to heaven. I do not deserve to have a relationship with you. I do not deserve any of this. And yet God sees fit to give it to me. He saw fit to give it to us through the shedding of the blood of Jesus and our, our obedience to him. Okay. So when he said when he said here that he said will keep this command, what's the command that I need to keep? To be verse obedient 11. to him. Go ahead. Verse eleven. Verse eleven. Yeah he says, you O oh man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, You See here we said verse eleven. You flee from God, flee from all of this negativity, free from all the garbage, and you pursue Righteousness and peace and holiness of God. You you pursue those things. You put that into practice in your life, and that everything hinges around you pursuing those things. Then you'll be obedient to God. Jesus said, "All right, listen to this, and then I'm moving on." Okay, Jesus said, I'll, "Let me finish reading. this. I'm going to say tell you what he said, all right, let let's finish the rest there. He said, "You keep this command." without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, but he'll be honored and might forever. What he's saying is God is elevated above everything. There is no one else but God. He is it. And if you want to know him, then look around you. Look around at his creation and find him. You see him everywhere. Now, you know when you look at this, and and you say, you know, it says that uh, without spot or blame. I want you to look at one more text. Look at Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. This text here in First Timothy says that he, that that. Uh, uh, that Jesus is going to appear, and God's going to do it in his own time. All right? Jesus said, I don't even know the time. I don't know. Nobody knows. So the people around you right now, and you see it all over the Internet, it's plastered all over everywhere. Let me tell you something, guys, okay? They've been saying that for 2,000 years. They ain't saying nothing new that they haven't said before. They've been saying, look at this sign, look at this sign. Come on, guys. Quit focusing on that. That's not what you need to focus on, because they've been saying it forever. How many of you have heard... Somebody say that Jesus is probably coming back pretty soon. Did, do they sound good? They sound like they got a, Do they have a good rhetoric? Do they do they sound good? the sound. It sounds good, right? They have a good gift to gab, right? Make it sound good. I mean, they take Revelation, man, put it up, put it up on a pedestal and say, man, he's going to come because of this. And now they're building this temple. You know, man, quit worrying about that stuff. You know what? You got enough trouble worrying about whether you're going to get there or not. You know. Don't worry about whether he's coming back. He may come back today. He may not. He may come back next week. He may not. You know what? I don't care. All I want to know is I care. What I care about is that I'm going to be ready when he does. Am I going to be ready when he does? All right. And he says, and 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 he says, look, and I know what it's going to be like because Second Peter chapter 3 tells me, he said, this is what it's going to look like. He's going to melt it with intense heat. He's going to blow it up. It's going to go. It's going to disintegrate. It's going to burn up everything. All right, and then he says in a uh, verse eleven, he says, "Since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. You ought to look forward to the day of God. And speed, it's coming." Okay, but then look it down at verse fourteen. Look at what he said in verse fourteen. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort. Make every effort. Do you hear me? Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. How much, what did he say? How much effort? I can only do it on Sunday. God, I'm sorry, but I really don't have time for you on Wednesday and Monday. I, I'm sorry. I can, I'll do it on Sunday. I'll give you Sunday, man. You can have that day. I don't really got anything else I'm going to do anyway. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give it to you on Sunday. Is that what he said? Well, I, well, okay then, I'll give it to you. I'll give you Sunday and Wednesday. But don't ask me for any more than that. That's enough. I'm good. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? What did, what did he say? Make every effort. How much effort do you put into your job? How much effort do you put in your family? How much effort did you put in to putting on what you wore this morning? How many of you spent some time, you know, figuring out what you're going to wear? Did you make an effort? If so, well, so, you didn't come naked. So you must put some kind of effort in it. You had to go to the closet, get some clothes out. Oh, no, I'm not going to wear that. Yep, no, not going to wear that. You know, hey, I'm old. You know, I have to hang my belt on the suit I wore last week so I know which suit I wore last week. <laughs> I'm old. I forget. I have to make an effort so I don't wear the same suit every week. You know? I'm making an effort, right? Right? He says make every effort to be what? What did he say? To be found spotless and blameless before him. What do you think that's going to... What do you think that... Here, here he said, he said that you obeyed his command. Without spot or blank until the coming of hearing of our Lord Jesus. He is gonna come back. You may not be alive when he does. Okay? But he is coming back. They thought he was coming back because the angels asked him, said, what are you stand there looking for? When he left, he left on a cloud. And he said the angel said, What are you stand there looking for? You know he's gonna come back just like he left. What he was telling what the angels telling him is, get busy, quit looking, quit waiting. You got work to do, get going. Been two thousand years. There are people today who say, "Oh, he's coming back next week. He's coming back next month. We even know the day." That that always amused me. They they figured it out what day it is. You don't hear nothing about it when the day comes and goes and nothing happens. Then you don't hear anything. Well, we made a mistake. You think. You know, when my Lord and Savior says, "Even He didn't know the day and the hour." Then you know what I'm going to quit doing. I'm going to quit working on that stuff. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit following that stuff because I know they're all charlatans. All right. Because I know that Jesus is going to come back, and why he's going to, he's going to come back to claim His bride, which is the church, which is us, the elect, the ones who have been washed by the blood. All right. Now let's move on. Okay. Hey, we may get through a lot of this. A lot more, than I thought. Verse 17. Anybody got anything? Any anything they want to deal with this in here? Anything that I that Yes, ma'am. Uh huh. You have to understand the heavens means not what you think is the heavens, okay? It what you're talking, what he's talking about from that word, he's talking about the, what you see. The the all the all that all of the stuff that these guys are talking about. Well, there's extraterrestrials. They're all coming from whatever, whatever, wherever. You know. That is going to destroy. Everything that is is tangible that we can put our hands on at some point. And, you know, we figured out, you know, they sent that that thing and it went by Jupiter and went by, you know, it's going out into the the black hole out there, you know, that there's tangible stuff. If you got there, you could put your hand on it, right? That's what he's talking about. It's all going to melt with intense heat. Not the place where he is. That's the spirit world, okay? It says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're we're in a war against the spirit, the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realm. That means that place where God dwells, that spiritual place. That's a different place. It's a different word. Okay? That's what he means. So when he's going to destroy everything, including the heavens, that means all of it. It's all gone. Not just earth. It's all gone. He's going to burn it up. going to be pretty, you know, it's going to be pretty spectacular. Of course, there's people out there that say, well, we won't be here then. Okay, well, all right. You know, whatever, you know. I don't I don't really care. You know what I what like I said, what I care about is that he's gonna take me to be with him whenever that is. I'm not gonna argue about you with you when that when that is. You know, there's people talking about rapture and you know, come on guys, man. Quit worrying about that stuff and worry about the person sitting next to you that's lost. Okay? Maybe we ought to start focusing on what God focused on, seeking to save the lost. Don't you think? Instead of worrying about the, the other stuff, and I'm not saying nonsense, because it's not nonsense, but but we get focused on stuff, and it distracts us from what we should be doing. There are young people in here. There's a young lady right there. You know, there's there's young people in here that are just starting their spiritual walk. Marcus back there has got a wife that just put his her Lord on. You know, Matthew's back there. You ought to be worried about not when Jesus comes back, but how can I help them to develop their walk with Christ? That should be what our focus is, not the other stuff. He's going to come back whenever he comes back. It doesn't matter, does it? We got people in here that are dying and falling apart. Okay? That should be more important than, than all the rest of the stuff. Now, let's move on. Okay? Anybody else? Any other questions? Hey, I'll deal with them. Let's deal with them. If you got a question about something that I didn't cover, let me know. Nothing? Okay. All right. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I'm going to stop right there. Now we've talked about this money thing already. We're not. Gonna, I'm not going to beat this up again. We know the root of all evil is the, is the love. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the problem. It's the love of money is the problem. Okay, so we're not going to beat that. But he said, you talk to the people that are wealthy, that are that are that have money among them. He said, let them think of it from a certain perspective. All right. You know, if you put any one of us in this room, any one of us, up against someone who lives in the deepest part of Africa, you know what they look at you and say? You're wealthier than anybody they've ever seen, right? So it's all a perspective. You put a, you put some of us in our culture today, and some of us are poor, and some of us are not, right? Some of us have money, and some don't. So it's all in your perspective where you look at yourself and say, I'm rich or not. In, his, in that culture, there are people that have money, and there are people that don't. And he says, the ones that are part of your fellowship, if they have money, tell them to do this. Those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to be put their hope in wealth. Okay? That's still, a, that's still a true statement today, don't you think? Some of you in here have way more money than I have. I have way more money than some of you have. Right? So in that in that sense of thing, I should have, I should not be arrogant. I should put my not put my hope in that, but put my hope in God. Right? So that works really for all of us, doesn't it? Because sit in this room, and in this room, you find yourself, and you're gonna find yourself better off than somebody else in this room. I'm not going to single out who's the worst off in this room. I don't know who that is. I, I, maybe we're all in the same boat. I don't know. But if you look at yourself from that perspective and say, I know there's always going to be somebody worse off than I am. So that makes me rich. According to them, it makes me rich, doesn't it? I have way more than they have. For some people, if I own a house and a car, I'm wealthier than they are. Right? So I should, I should listen to this and not be arrogant, not to put my hope in that. Because I've I've put my hope in money before. You know what happens? He burned my buildings down with me in it. Kind of puts it in a perspective in a hurry. Within 20 minutes, your whole life goes poof, and it's up in smoke. I I couldn't believe how fast that building burned up. Less than 20 minutes and my whole world is crashed around. It's gone. Gone. You know? So it kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? You You know, you can... You can have you can have a heart attack, you can have a stroke, you can have you can be in a car wreck and, and all in one moment your wealth is all past you. Ask Bobby. What happened? Your wife got sick. What happened to your wealth? You had a lot of it, didn't you? Quick. Had a lot of it, didn't you? Yes, sir. You were a wealthy man. At one time. At one time you were a wealthy man. You know what he did? Had to sell everything he had to take care of his wife. And took care of her for years. Selling everything he had so he could provide for her for her care. He didn't get sick. She did. He could have said, I'm done. Walked away. Could he? No, couldn't do that. <clears throat> Some people in the world do that. But that when you look at wealth, that's how fleeting it goes. But I like what he says here. Look at what he said. He said, put your hope in God with, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Wow. Do you hear what he said? He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's true if your perspective is right. If you want three houses and a boat and a car, I mean, and or three three cars and a house and a boat. I saw a boat a boat yesterday. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Every time he started that boat up, I had to get up and get out of my chair and go watch as he went by. That was a motor. I'm listening to the motor. I can hear the motor. You know, there's a distinct sound a motor like that makes, and that probably was probably a hundred fifty thousand dollar boat, probably. And I'm going, wow. I can remember a time when I'd love to have one of those. I would really have enjoyed that. You know what God chose to do? Not give me one. <laughs> he said no. He said I'll give you something else. To make you enjoy something. Yep, yep. That's what he did. Yep. Because his idea of enjoyment and my idea of enjoyment <clears throat> sometimes don't mix. You know? Do y'all you experience that? Sometimes he has a he has a really warped sense of humor. <laughs> when it comes to my enjoyment yeah he thought I'll give you a car so you can go to the jail and you can sit on a concrete floor and talk through bars and that's going to really wind your clock up really just give me a better car and let me stay at home no no and you know what I found out he was right he was right I had a phone call the other day from Dale Underwood I haven't been to jail in 20 years you know what he wants me to do he wants me to teach a class next year in his in his in his nationwide conference, jail conference. What for? What do you want me for? I've been in jail in twenty years. What do you? You know? You know what? I told him. You know what? I told him. Okay. Fine. Right, whatever. I'll do it. You know, because I couldn't say no after what you said the other night. How was I going to say no? I couldn't do that. Yeah. So, but you know what? It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And and. You know, when you look back on it later, you're going to be, wow, this was neat. This was a great experience. That's what God's saying. I'm going to give you this stuff for your enjoyment. You have to ask yourself, is my idea of enjoyment and his idea of enjoyment the same? When I look at some of you, all I look at Cole and Jessica. they got six kids. Let me tell you something. Man. Not on your best day. You know, after three, I'm telling are you sure you want to keep doing this? You know, try for a little girl. Really? I told her, I said, let's we'll try for a little girl. I said, oh, my luck, I'll have another boy, and then what am I gonna do? She said, I already got four boys now. What am I gonna do with another? So, but you know, God God idea of of it's not sometimes our idea. Okay? And you put that all in perspective and you say, okay, God, teach me what I need to do. Teach me how I need to think. And He will do that. He'll do that. So you think about that this week. Am I thinking like God? Am I trying to put this into perspective like God would have me put it? Because he said he's gonna give me everything for my enjoyment. If I'm not having a good time here, then maybe something's wrong. Not with what God's given me, but with how I'm perceiving what God's given me. Okay? We'll pick it up here next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, probably